Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to our fourth podcast. It's pretty exciting. So you're here for uh, Housing Days, the estate sale and beyond. Like I said, this is episode four. I am George. He is Josh. How are you, Josh? Good, George. How you doing? I'm doing swell. Long days. Long days. So, but I have some good news. Let me pull it up. The, uh, The podcast is starting to get some recognition in terms of the actual podcast. The YouTube stuff, even though like, you know, we're live, I mean, not live, but we're on YouTube where people can see us, the the downloads are actually um, starting to turn up a little bit. So it's pretty cool. Uh, nothing major, you know, we're not, we're not breaking any records or anything, but so we have 28 total downloads now, which has gone up again. And nice. then uh, we have a new listener in Columbus, Ohio. So now we have listeners in California, in Kansas, in Ohio, Ohio in Maine, not, not Maine, sorry, in Maryland, and obviously Pennsylvania, and then Brussels. So so our international national podcast is, is growing. So it's pretty cool. You know, the uh, YouTube is, like I said, a little slow. TikTok is a little slow, but... Uh, but we're doing some good stuff with the podcast, and and I, I think that's a it's a positive, you know. I agree. So I agree. Any growth so is today. Growth. I'm sorry, I talked over you. What? No, no, you're fine. And any growth is good growth. True that. So uh, today we're going to talk about maximizing profits um, at a state sale. So I'm going to let you start us off, good sir. Yeah, so uh, what we're basically going to talk about today is just how not only as like an estate sale company, you can maximize your profits, but if you're shopping estate sales, uh, how to maximize your profits coming out of an estate sale. Um, So some of the tools we use uh, when we're pricing stuff and then even when we've gone to shop estate sales, what tools we use um, while we're at the estate sales that we're we're shopping. so yeah, the episode today is uh, maximizing profits at estate sales. Very exciting stuff. So, yeah, um, thank you, thank you. Appreciate that. Anyway, so uh, obviously the importance of maximizing profits. Uh, if you're not going to maximize profits, why are you in business? Or whether you're buying uh, stuff from an estate sale or trying to sell stuff at the estate sale. So. Obviously, like location is going to be a factor, right? When if we're talking about from the the um, side of running an estate sale, um, maximizing profits, uh, what are some key factors that you feel we have used when planning an estate sale to maximize our profits? Well, I don't think I don't think that we necessarily when we accept the uh, the estate sales that we look too much into this, but it's how once we accept it, we try to maximize the profit. So like location obviously is huge, um, but if, it, if it's in a tough location, it would just change the way we, we set it up, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you an example. We, we had an estate sale that was off of a busy road and we had lots of customers coming in because they saw our estate sale signs, you know? Yeah. And that was, that was like at least 40% of our customers, right? Um, so like good location, signs visible but if you're out in the country and there's not a lot of traffic those signs don't do much other than guide people in that we're already looking for us you know yeah. what I mean? so you know that that kind of so how we set it up and where we advertise you know that the location plays a role in that i think yeah well so i mean like the one thing that i'll say is like one of the things that we tend to do when we get a location is we start to look up like others types of sales that might be happening on different weekends so there's already natural traffic coming in, even if it's like a out there location, um, that type of traffic ha- like will help maximize on um, profits because you're getting traffic uh, from customers who are already coming out to the area for a specific reason. Yeah. I think like uh, one of the sales where they were like, they hired us and they were like, we need you an ASAP so we can get out ASAP. Like you don't have a lot of time to plan. When we looked it up, all of the yard sales had happened like the week before they con mm-hmm. like that they like if we would have done it that week and we would have had way better sales uh like the neighborhood alone had like three yard sales in it like we would have just had more like natural traffic and then the day of that sale like all of the like local like yard sales garage sales other state sales were on the other side of town 
right? Yep. And big, big town, like they're not going to like come all the way to the other side of town for one sale. Yep. That's the timing thing. That, and that's where knowing that our advertising has to be that much better to show people the value of why they would come over here. You know, right? So we have to highlight specific things. We got to know what's going to drive traffic. What, what is our, what do our customers like to buy? That kind of stuff. Um, I mean, that, that kind of fits in the timing. And the other thing is like knowing um, what days to have the sale. We're not the typical estate sale. And we, we do things Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whereas a lot of estate sales do Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But Thursday, it, it's working out for us because Thursday is actually, at least in Pennsylvania, it's a big yard sale day yeah. you know, where the, when the weather is warm. So Thursday we have, it's a little bit of our older clientele, but we get traffic on Thursday. And then Saturday is typically our lower cost day where things could be up to 50% off. And if people shop estate sales, they know that they can hit us on Saturday, get that deal, then hit other estate sales on that Sunday and get that deal. You know, so it does bring in traffic like that. I think having a unique, you know, time frame helps us. Yeah. Uh, especially like for people who are shopping those type of sales, uh, they tend to be more serious. So they come in knowing like what they're going to spend and they know what they're looking for. Whereas like a lot of yard sales, you get like the the driver buyers where they, they, they literally like do the thing where they slow down and then they speed up, right? Um, or they come in, they're literally just looking. Um, Thursday, you get kind of like the more serious buyers. Um, and and more more than more times than not, like we'll see those same buyers multiple times then through that sale. Yeah, and I think timing, another thing about timing, and I'm not sure if it fits specifically into this, is we're still ironing out this, but how long do we go until so we started until three right we were like we're gonna do it until three o'clock give people time to get here but we have found at about 12 or one it dies down dramatically so um yeah we've messed around with ending them at one at least on thursday and friday and uh sometimes it feels like uh we get some people right up at that one o'clock time so you know, but it's it's a tricky thing. If we if we advertise one o'clock and create a little bit of urgency to get to us, you know, maybe that's a good thing. But uh, you know, if the traffic is there, we're gonna we're gonna stay anyway. You know, yeah, we're not gonna shut people out. We'd be like, nope, one o'clock, <laughs> get out, come back tomorrow. But you know, um, yeah, yeah. There's not been enough sales for us to like gather like a I guess a collective perfect ending time. Um, especially like if you're paying staff, right? Like that's like another thing, like that comes out of our profits. We've talked about that before on the podcast. Um, so if we like say we pay our staff X amount of dollars per day and now we're staying open and then after one, we have one sale for 20 bucks. Is it worth paying three employees to staff that location for that, those last two hours? Right. Yeah. Or can we pay them less because it's a shorter day and end at one? Yeah, that, that's a that's a tough thing. Um, market demand that for me, like that's like uh, for the products that are in the home. You know what what is what's going to sell, what's not going to sell, that kind of thing. And that I think requires a lot of like upfront honesty with the client. You know, there's. A lot of people think that, you know, oh, I have this really nice couch. I paid, you know, $3,000 for it. It's going to sell really well. There's just not a huge need for furniture, uh, especially people shopping day of. So that's when, like, we have figured out that it makes more sense to advertise that stuff on the like, yeah. marketplace and things like that ahead of time, you know, so that way. And just say we won't sell it until the day of the sale, but just so that it's out there, you know, that way people will come specifically because they need a couch and they know that it's there and we put the dimensions and all that other good stuff, you know. Yeah. So we've learned that over time, you know, uh, we were we were left with some some furniture that when you finally put that out there, we ended up having a rush of people come get stuff like the freezer and couch. And um, mm-hmm. one client, there was that giant, uh, we'll call it a hutch, I guess, Um 
that was massive and we actually had it advertised on facebook and we sold it a week after the sale you know um, yeah and we just met the the customer there at the client's house and you know got them all loaded up they brought like three or four guys because it was heavy and large and everything was good you know mm -hmm. yeah now i will say um like the flip side i mean well we can come back to like market demand uh, on the flip side of like location and timing uh just like planning a yard like around time where like yard sales and garage sales are happening that i've uh, at least i've thought so it, uh, it cannot also hurt sometimes because the customers coming in are in a yard sale garage sale mentality mm -hmm. um so that has something something that we've had to like overcome is like the uh, challenge of pricing for certain things um i just wanted to make sure i i had that thought and then we moved on to market demand i want to make sure i yeah, touched fine. back uh I mean, that's definitely something listen to us who knows that we're like we're gonna bounce back and forth it's okay yeah. yeah that's that's definitely something like you're gonna have to be prepared for if you're managing an estate sale company or um or even if you're just you know having a yard sale or garage sale like the type of customers you're gonna get they're gonna they're really gonna want to hackle down um and you're gonna need to know what you have and, and the actual value not just the emotional uh nostalgic uh value of what you have um just because you pay three thousand dollars for a couch doesn't mean you're gonna get three thousand Right, like you're, you're, you're probably not, not even gonna get a, you're definitely yeah, you're not even gonna get a third, right? That's what I was gonna say. So way to <laughs> way to read my mind there, Georgie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, market demand is definitely gonna be like so um knowing what's what's popular with selling, right? And that's a lot of times that's knowing the trends by following people like us, right? Like so um or other YouTubers or podcasters who are shopping estate sales and, and then reselling stuff, right? Like they'll tell you what is selling. Right. And then you'll get to an estate and you'll be like, oh, this is this sounds really good. Uh, and and I mean, that's more George's background because he was a uh, online reseller. So like he knows certain things like I would have never thought blow molds. That, that's what they're called. Right. The, the big like like the, the things that my parents thing. had. Yeah, yeah. I would never have thought twice. Like I probably would have this wrote them off. Right. Uh, but uh, George like had, you know, he knew what their demand was and their value and was able to sell them at a, at a really decent price way above what i would have posted the matter or, or agreed upon yeah but i mean on on that for for our pricing if we don't know we're doing research anyway uh, i think we actually talk about that here in one of these things but um maybe not but uh we're gonna we're gonna look it up you know if we don't if we don't know it we're gonna look it up and see what it's sold for, where it's sold, if it's been, if it's on marketplace or if it's somewhere else, you know, and then we typically will price it slightly lower than that, whatever we see, like the averages, you know, um, mm -hmm. because we want to, we want it to go. Um, we kind of, we've kind of touched in the past on the different types of estate sales. So, and then that obviously is going to like maximize like the type of profits yeah. right so like if you have an estate sale where they're they're downsizing or you know there's you know they need to get out fast right that's definitely going to hurt your profits because the sense of urgency to sell stuff is higher than the sense of urgency to maximize profits mm -hmm. right if uh if you get in there and you have time to price everything correctly time to do your research um, make it look as professional as possible. That's going to always maximize your profits. But if you get in there and, you know, they, they give you a week to get ready and that's from like start to finish where they, they you meet with them, they notify you, they tell you when they want to have the sale and they give you three, four days to prep. It's definitely going to hurt your profits. Right. Yeah, Which, well, by, by a week, you mean like, just so we're clear with everybody else out there, like not a full week. He means coming in on Monday for our sale. That's on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, it just there's the sense of urgency to get the sale set up, and not a lot of time to actually like prep. Uh, so like when it's like a liquidation, moving, downsizing, uh, if you don't have like the proper time or you don't give the company the proper time to set up your estate sale, it's definitely gonna hurt your profits. Uh, so that's just something like it's it's definitely not something that you want to drag your feet on if you're if you're a potential client of ours in the future. Like you want to make sure that that you give them enough time to get in there and really dive deep into what you have um because that's just gonna put more money in your pocket yep 
And then the if you're if you're a company who's doing an estate sale and you don't have a lot of time, the priority would be to at least organize things the best way you can together. Yes. Right? So like all the Christmas things together, like all like artwork together, that kind of stuff. Put put it all together and present it well, even if you can't get it priced. Um, yeah. Because then it's at least shoppable for the the customers. And I mean, we're we're upfront and honest with all of our customers. So, you know, we tell them, hey, unfortunately, we didn't have enough time to get a price for you. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about best offers and we're gonna we're gonna try to make you a good deal. And you know, we've gotten you know, we've gone through that week and found like certain items that we knew were the higher value items and put you know prices on them. But a lot of times there'll be like knickknacks and stuff that we just didn't have time because mm-hmm. like what Josh is referring to when it's a short sale like that, you know, going in there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with people still in the house and not having full access to everything, you're pretty limited. You know, you can't spend eight hours there listening to music pricing and like you just don't you can't do it because it's invading their space even though they want it sold. It's like it's like a day. Or they distract you. Or they distract you. They want to talk to you. Yep. Um, so. which definitely, definitely hurts your time. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, all right. Well, this, this is, uh, kind of where the pricing comes in. Um, I mean, the steps to take to prepare a successful state sale, obviously pricing is huge. If you can get things priced at least 75% things priced, you know, um, you're going to be in great shape. You're going to increase the value. You're going to make a, a lot more profit because people will see it and they're going to pay it. You know, if uh, mm-hmm. if they're not priced, they're going to usually try to put things together and come up with a pretty low ball offer. I mean, we've seen some crazy low low offers, but if they're priced, we might be able to come down a little bit from that, you know, depending on the item. But they're, they're not going to, if, if I've got something priced for $20, they're not going to offer me two, you know? Yeah. So they, they might say, will you take 15, 15. you know? Yeah. Um, whereas if it wasn't priced, they may say, will you take two, you know? And then we're, we're so far off. I might be in the, I might end up taking 10 if I'm lucky, you know? So like that, it is super important to get things priced if you can. And it just, it just adds credibility to you as a company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what type of what type of tools do we use, George? Do you want to go over that? Um, yeah. So so if we're if we can find it on you know things like eBay or Facebook Marketplace and look at what it sold because that that is the the same customer base shopping, right? Mm-hmm. So the same people coming to estate sales are the people going to you know who are buying on Facebook Marketplace and you know that that kind of stuff. And so I'd like to get it priced there. If it's an item like the rifles, right? We go yep. to an expert, we get them appraised, and we come up with a price that we think is fair. Almost like for for example, the guns. The guns that we sold, we had them appraised by by a gun dealer, and I would say we got about ninety percent of the value of the appraisal for all of those guns. Yeah, you know. So same thing. Definitely will happen our background. The, Yep. Same thing. If, if if it's jewelry, we'll take it to a, to a jeweler and try to get them evaluated that way. If it's antiques that we can't find, we'll we'll go to an antique shop or or whatever, and and we find experts in the field if we can't figure it out. So we're we're always going to try to get the true value of them. But again, just because there's a there's a value assigned, does not mean that's what people are willing to pay. You know. Yeah. So things that have value like that, you got to find that customer. So that's where the advertising comes back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to touch back on like the like when we are doing uh, research and stuff. So not only do we check like the those specific websites like Marketplace and eBay, but we're, one of the like two of the things that we're looking at was looking at what is actually sold, right? Yeah. So like you'll yeah. see like you can filter out on on eBay um, to like uh, if you hit other options, you can hit like see sold items. And mm-hmm. so you can see what's what's actually selling, and then not only that, like the price that it's sold at, and how when was the last time it was sold, right? So if you have a an item, right, that is that you might have, you know, thirty of them listed for five hundred dollars, but then you go to sold, and really only three have sold in the last three months for thirty dollars, right? Like that's the actual value of that product. 
it doesn't matter that there's 30 items listed for 500. That doesn't mean that that person's going to get whatever that math is. It's it's, it's really mm-hmm. what what is what's what it's selling at. Uh, and you can kind of do similar things with marketplace. Uh, you can you like can, look you at can, you can go by sold. Right, like you, I don't know if you necessarily can see what it sold for, um, but like you can see what's what the interest is. If, right? if, so, like, if they did it through, if they did it through marketplace. So, like, I don't know if you've ever sold anything on marketplace um, out there, but if you sell it on marketplace, you don't necessarily have to sell it on marketplace. You just start messaging them, you know, and then you you make the transaction, like by hand, meeting them somewhere or whatever the case may be. But sometimes people send an offer through and they accept it, and then you can see that if that makes yeah. sense. So yeah, I mean, a lot of times you don't know, but you know, that's why we're here. Yep, it's true for sure. All right, what about uh, staging? Staging, as in like like how we set up the sale, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, sale sale. Um, so staging is very key. So if you've ever gone into a store where there's just a mess, it's just a mess. Like you can't walk through it. Like there's stuff on the floor. Um, you might do like a walkthrough, but when there's just too much stuff that you feel like you can't navigate or you have to look at too much stuff, it's a turnoff for customers, right? Like their brain can't in that moment process what they're looking at and they become overwhelmed. Um, especially if it's, if all, it's all over the place and not priced. Right. Uh, that's one of the biggest feedbacks we've gotten from customers are, is like around pricing um, because they feel like they have more power to negotiate. Right. When they when they don't know what the price is or they don't know where to look, um, they leave and go somewhere else. Uh, so how do you set up? I think what, like the first estate sale that George ever took me to when we were walking up. Uh, there was like a bunch of boxes on the lawn. Like they just had stuff like like free like the cut for their oh, hey, my mic, sorry. They uh they for the customers to take into the sale to like put stuff in, right? But they're just thrown on the lawn, right? It's and it's early, so like the grass is wet, right? So the boxes are all wet. And then you walk on walk in this like in the house and there's just stuff everywhere. Right. And it's not like a it's not like a horror house or anything like that. They just they just didn't they didn't use any tables. There was stuff like in like on the ground with things in front of it. And like at one point I was I was like, oh like what look at that. Like George, do you see that? And I, I had to like put my hand on the wall to like lean over to like pick up the item. Right. So it's like a, a, a tripping hazard, right? So like it's like a it was like a almost a two two to three foot on the ground from the wall out, which is right. pretty impossible to reach the stuff. If you see something that you like that's near the wall, you know like that's yeah, just the worst it, kind of yeah. No organization, right? And then, like, you walked out into the living room, and like, there was like stuff. Like, it was just there was no. They didn't even try to like put it out like an outline. Like, it was just stuff in the middle of the room. Um, so staging and how you present things is definitely going to be a huge reason why you maximize your profits or you lose a bunch of money. Um, so, like, we like even still like. George will send me messages of like a, a post. So, like, do you want to like drive to Maryland and get tables? Uh, I'd be like, no. Um, but <laughs> if the deal is right, then the deal is right. Because uh, the more tables we have, is it's better to have too many tables than not enough, right? We've had to like do very strategic things with tables to make sure that like it is as presentable as possible. Yeah, um, tables are a very expensive uh, item that. You know, it's just, uh, at least for us, we're not going to go buy, you know, 20 brand new tables. So we buy some tables that are not the, not even close to looking great, but we just cover them. You know, we have like a light blue um, sheets, actually, not even tablecloths. So we have like, uh, it's kind of our color, you know, um, and we we have them covered and look presentable. And you wouldn't know that they're like beat up or that like, you know, they're peeling underneath or anything like that because, you know, it doesn't need to be the best looking table. We just don't want to have different heights to, you know, touching yeah. each other. But so if we can make them look uniform and nice and, and pretty, I mean, that's, that's, that's what yeah. we do. So, and then we try to set tables. the same types of tables up in the same area. So if, like we have square tables, we have what, like the standard, like plastic rectangle ones, like we'll set up mm-hmm. a lot of square ones in the same room. So it's the same height, same size. It's like kind of like symmetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have the card tables. We've got a bunch of them. 
And then we've got the standard four foot plastic tables like you're talking about. So. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, another thing that we really try to do is we try to put like items together. So like we'll get all of the seasonal items that people will have around their house and we'll try to keep those together, right? So like, it doesn't matter if it's like a summer season or a winter holiday season, like we'll try to keep that stuff together because it's all mm -hmm. seasonal, right? Or like uh, glassware we try to keep in the kitchen because that's where people you know, can imagine that it's going to like be in their house. Um, we'll try to keep clothing. Like one of the things that we'll do um, is we'll try to move all of the clothing to one room, right? Or another strategy we've done with clothing is we've put like, there was a, a house we did where the, the customer had like, it was like a mix, right? They, they had a room full of used clothes and a room full of new clothes. And that's kind of like how we kept it. So we kept all of the new the shoes that were still in their shoe boxes and still had tags on it. We kept them separate from the room where the clothes were were worn or didn't have tags. Um, and it kind of like you know like nice room used room. Um, mm -hmm. And then same thing well, with like max. We also with clothing if if there's multiple people or multiple like sizes, we would keep them separate as well. So like mm -hmm. if there's or multiple genders or whatever the case may be, right? We would keep them separate. And then the house that you were talking about, that was that was a single person's house. Um, she she passed away, but she did have a ton of clothes with the tags still on them. So there it's obviously more value. Um, so we kept them like Josh said, we put them all in the closet looking nice, presentable. And then the other ones we did like fill a bag, you know. So <laughs> it just depended on on what we were gonna do. But yeah, I mean yeah, but definitely how you set the sale up is going to definitely maximize um, your profits, uh, and it's going to do a lot of a lot of good for your customer retention, right? One, that's we get a lot of really good feedback uh, for how our sales look and how well they're priced and how well they're organized. Um, customers can actually come in, they can look, they can shop, they can feel like they can they can find what they're looking for more easily than other local estate sale companies that we have seen yeah. and that they have seen. It makes sense to them. They're like, oh, this is where this is, you know, and then they look through that and then cool. You know, you're not going to find Christmas decorations in this room and then Christmas decorations downstairs. And then unless there's like a huge amount that like we picked out some really good ones to highlight. And then we say to them, hey, we have a full Christmas selection downstairs, but we have a few to look at up here. But we're we're talking with our customers and we're doing that. You know, it's not yeah, that's like that's deliberate. That's like kind of creating a storefront, you know. But other than that, I mean we did the the one house that we were just talking about, this woman had, I don't know, what, seven rocking chairs, right? Throughout the entire house. Yeah, it was so, more than that. I don't even know, but I took them and lined them all up in a row in the living room. And then we ended up having a customer buy like what, six of them, five of them, whatever, whatever they bought, like at the mm -hmm. end there, you know, and it was because they were all together and they weren't just like picking them, you know, here and there, Yeah. you know, we, we try to keep everything. And, and we had, they, she had like rabbit stuffed animals. So we put one on each seat. We made it look really nice. You know, everything yeah. was priced well. We had for them, we had like the price on the wall for the different sizes, you know, it, it, it was really nice and people yeah, she definitely appreciated it. She, yeah, she had also had like a large collection of roosters and we put all like, we put any rooster that we found, we put together. Cause like then we found that apparently that's a market, right? Like there are customers who collect roosters. Yep. Um, and by having them all together, like we sold through the pretty much the entire collection. Um, whereas if a customer has to walk and find every rooster, they they may not have bought they may not have even bought one, but because they saw them all together, they were able to find what they were looking for. So or they may have it, only bought one because they, right. they only saw one. They didn't see the right. other part of the house or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. staging is definitely one of our more time consuming parts of the sale setup. There are multiple times where like George will be working and and he'll put in a lot of work and then I'll come in and I'll be like this like like well let's move this here and let's move this there. There's a lot of back and forth, or like we we get it all set up, and it was like this doesn't look good. Like we gotta we gotta change this. Let's let's move this to a different room, or whatever. Um, so it's kind of like a, a fine art in terms of of how that looks, um, but it definitely has made a huge difference uh, just from the customers that have come to our sales. Yeah, in in that really quick before we go to the next one, we also we maximize like the flow of traffic. 
So like yeah. we don't have things like in the way, you know, like there's definitely like a pattern of like a flow that we encourage people to walk through where it's not uncomfortable for them because there's product everywhere and that kind of stuff. It's literally like a shoppable. I mean, the only thing I can compare it to is a storefront and you and I both have the retail background and we both understand uh, merchandising and, and making things presentable for our, for our customers. So we have that whole mentality while we're setting it up. Like how, how are people going to be? Is the person going to be able to look at this while a person's looking at that? Make sure that, you know, we do all of that like mm -hmm. as part of the plan. Yeah. And, and even like, even on top of that, like, if we go back to the kitchen, right? Like, so we'll take all of the utensils and stuff out of the drawers, right? Like customers don't have to dig to find what's there. It's out in the open in some capacity, right? Yeah. Um, we try to like make sure like uh, if we're selling a dresser that the dresser's empty, right? They don't have to like dig through clothes in a dresser to buy the dresser, right? Yeah. Like just if small, possible. <laughs> if possible, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure um but i mean like that has that has helped right like mm -hmm. there's there's not like one you should go through everything right if you're prepping an estate sale but two when customers have to do work themselves they're less likely to do the work right when it's all out there they can walk into a room they can see everything it's all out in the open they're more likely to take the time especially if it's organized to just pick through and and, and find what they want to find all right, so we're going to move on to the next part. Uh, strategies for buyers. That's what we'll call this section, uh, this segment of the podcast episode. Um, <laughs> so what advice, George, would you give estate sale shoppers on how to identify valuable items and negotiate, negotiate favorable deals? For us, I mean, the value you're going to know because it's going to be priced, you know, um, also, I would say, I mean, not just us. So most of the state sale companies are going to put things uh, up front that they want to sell. You know, one, they want to make sure they can keep an eye on them. Um, but two, they want you to be excited when you first walk in, you know. So part of the fun of it is discovering, right, when you're when you're shopping estate sales, going through the closet, you know, like whatever, and, and like finding the really cool thing. But other parts of it are you just walking in and being like, oh, that's that's gorgeous. You know, I really like that or that kind of thing. So having them displayed properly up front is another way to show like that, that they do have value. Uh, we had an estate sale where the the daughter was a huge um, Disney fanatic. Right. Mm. And I don't remember what the dolls were called, but she had a, a perfect like, planter shelf. What? Oh. Yeah, she had statues and then she had like the, the, the almost like baby dolls, but they were like the, the big they were like ones. standing dolls. And and when you walked into the house, they were up front and present and people loved them because they were they looked really good. They were very cartoony looking, like they were, you know, um Moana had like sand on her feet, you know, like there was, it was they were really cool. What high quality as well. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of stuff, putting it up front, you know, priced, accurate, clean. You know, it shows it shows the value. I think so. As as you're shopping, you know, it's it's right there for you. Um, yeah. I mean, it, so if you're stop shopping estate sales, like obviously, like you have a business, and that business probably has a niche, right? So, like maybe you're into sports stuff, so you'll see the value in it quickly in sports items or. Um, maybe you're a collector of a certain genre like Disney, right? So like anything Disney, like you're going to, you're going to take notice too. Um, but we have, when we have been prepping sales, we have found some pretty interesting stuff that intrigued us enough to like look up the value of, and, and we found that they were pretty valuable things, uh, that mm -hmm. if, uh, we, we hadn't done the research, we would have let them go to, at a significantly lesser price. So if you are going to shop at a state sale, and something catches your eye take take the time to do quickly just even if it's like you know five ten minutes like do the research mm -hmm. on the item because you never know like it might be something that you can you can sell um and make profit on yeah too often i think people resellers are not they're it's like they they're not willing or they're not comfortable enough to look things up on their phone in front of in front of like people like us at, at, at like estate sale companies, we encourage it. You know, it's look it up, 
you know, find it. If, if you can get it for a good price, you know, like we're selling it for and you think you can sell it for more, cool. If you're a collector and you just love it, you see what we're selling it for and you, and you want to see what where else you can get it and if you can get it any cheaper anywhere else, you know, do that. You know, that's fine. Um, I would say more power to you. Uh, we've already done that research. So we already we feel comfortable with our pricing, but if you can find something that we didn't find and you want to say, hey, I see that it's sold here um, for this amount of money, would you take this amount of money? I mean, we're mm -hmm. going to consider it, you know. Um, the other thing I would say for if you're going to shop estate sales is start looking for them at the beginning of the week. Find the ones that you want to go to and then look at the pictures, right? So have an idea of what's at the estate sale. See what you want to go in there for. And then when you come in there, you can be like, hey, I saw this in the picture. Can you tell me where that is? You know, and we can point you in like the direction. So you go right there, grab the thing that you're really excited about, and then walk around and try to find some other stuff. You know, so that yeah. if you're just if you just see us, um, if you just see our sign and you want to come in, that's cool. But you're at a little bit of a disadvantage in terms of like, hey, this valuable thing I saw, let me go get it. Whereas other people might be lining up before we open because of that specific thing that they're coming in for. Yeah, and then on top of that, like build the rapport with the people who are running the estate sales, right? So we've had a lot of customers who are like, hey, I'm looking for like this specific type of product, right? Like if it's ever at any of your estate sales, let me know. Here's my number. They gave us our business card. Um, and you look that way. We like, and then when we have the sale that has those items, we can let them know. And then generally like that has, has brought in business for us, right? Beyond just that like one person because they bring people Right. So like if you're uh, shopping estate sales and you have a specific niche, like say your, your niche is tools, right? Like you, you resell used tools, right? Like tell that to the people running the estate sales because they're going to be the ones who, who let you know up front. Like, hey, like I have that certain brand of tools at this next estate sale. Right. And then that way you can get in there first and get get the tools that you're that you're going to sell. Um, there's we like we definitely have those type of customers who like they sell this item and this brand and they want to know up front like hey if, if you ever have an estate zone has this email me specifically like directly communicate with me directly mm -hmm. and we've mentioned before for our customers we ask them all if they want to sign up for to get emails you know, from us and we don't bombard anybody with emails. This this is what you'll get from us if you're our customer. You get a thank you for coming to the sale, you know, and then you'll get um a notification when our next sale is. That, that's yeah. it. We don't we don't randomly sell, send out emails. And of course we don't sell your information. It's just Josh and I. We're not <laughs> we're not some corporation, you know. So Yeah. Simple. Um and then that also gives you the opportunity to email them directly. Hey, do you have this specific product? You know, like you can kind of maybe start that process in advance, right? Um, like now, like Georgia said it before, like we don't ever sell anything before, but like you can maybe start to like plan and negotiate out in advance, like what they have and like then be like the first one there, right? Um, yeah, I would say that we're not opposed necessarily to sell things before the estate sale. So like if we advertise something on Facebook Marketplace, but we don't put it, I mean, we just advertise the item as like for sale, right? But we don't we don't put it in our ad for the estate sale, then I, then I'm not opposed to selling it. If I have it in an ad telling people we have an estate sale and you have a picture of it, there's no way I'm gonna sell that thing before the estate sale because then it's like like we false advertising or we misled people or it's like bait and switch and, and all that stuff and we don't play that game. And we have had we've had people reach out to us because they saw the pictures and they want to buy the stuff, you know. Um, sometimes I don't mind letting people, if, if we have the time or the, or the space, I don't mind letting people come check it out ahead of time, you know, but they'll have to wait. They'll have to wait until the day of and wait online just like anybody else. And then if they, if it's, if the first person in line bought the thing that they wanted and they're the third person in line, then that's how it is, you know, but if, if I need to sell furniture, like I said before, I'm not going to really advertise the furniture for the sale. I might say the word furniture, but I'm not going to put pictures of everything on that. I'll, I'll put individual sale pictures on Facebook Marketplace. And if someone wants to buy it on Tuesday when we're setting up the sale, I'm going to let them buy it. You know, um, yeah. because we don't know. We don't know if it's going to sell.
So yeah, well, we're going to generally try to post that separately in advance because furniture is one of the things that takes a little bit longer to sell. Uh, so trying to sell it in a three-day window can be kind of rough, uh, especially like if you don't end up selling it like till the last day. Uh, and then definitely like prep your route, right? Like, so if you're going to hit up an estate sale, like we kind of talked about it earlier in this episode about like, if an estate sale is off in no man's land, right? And all the other sales are happening, like you could drive, you could waste 30, 40 minutes driving out to that sale. But if they've misadvertised or you get out there and they've sold a bunch of stuff before the sale even started, like you've now wasted uh, potentially two hours of your day and potential revenue loss, right? So like try to plan your routes based off where you're headed and what traffic's in the area, um, especially if it's an estate sale company that you're not familiar with, right? Like if you know, if you don't know, do they sell things in advance, right? Like you would be driving out there and something that they have listed isn't there because they sold it three days ago. And I could just look them up there. on Google. Look them up on Google, see if there's any reviews. Um, if they do that, they'll piss people enough and piss people off enough and yeah, they will leave reviews you know um i think that's one of our I, and i would i would venture to say that the bulk majority of estate sale companies don't sell things that they've advertised before the sale you know i think it's too too damaging to their reputation if they were to do that all right what's next the role of technology it's everything that we've already talked about so you know, just making sure you're you're trying to utilize everything. You know, we have so many things at our disposal. So you've got all the social media sites. Use it. You, you have no idea if you're afraid to get in front of the camera, get over your fears. You have no idea if it's going to work or not. You know, you, you don't be afraid to go live on Facebook. You know, I did that a couple times when we were at the sale. You know, went like, hey, we're live. We're on Facebook. We're in one of the groups. And, you know, walking around showing pictures of, you know, like showing video of uh, what's there, what time we're going to be there till, you know, if there's a line, sometimes we'll, we'll go early and show the line that's out there, you know, create some hype around it, you know, just, just use the resources that are available to you because you don't know what's going to hit, you know, so some sales, it's going to be Craigslist, like we talked about in our other podcast and other sales is going to be like Facebook or I saw the signs or whatever it is. So just don't be afraid to use everything that's available to you. You know, um, even TikTok, a lot of times, if you put your location available on your TikTok, people in your area will see that TikTok. It's part of like their algorithm or whatever. So, you know, for us, I don't know if, if anybody has seen our TikTok or not, but if they have, they can be like, I saw your your thing on TikTok. You guys, you know, looked cool, whatever. Like, I wanted to come check it out. So, you I've idea. had some people at work tell me they saw it on TikTok. Yeah. So I mean, that's, cool. that's that's cool. Yep. None of it's gonna hurt, you know, unless you go and do something stupid, you know. But hmm. be professional, be fun, you know. Um, you don't have to be super rigid or serious. Like you can be, you can even be a little bit of self-deprecating. But uh, as a business owner, you don't want to do too much of that because then you're kind of discrediting yourself. Yeah. And so it's yeah. just you gotta you gotta balance that. Um. What What would you say? Like, if um, would be our most unique find at one of our estate sales that we've ran. Hmm. I mean the um the one sale that we did two weekends on oh it's escaping me now. Um it was a like a new Mexican Native American wooden doll. Um I don't even know if you want to call it a doll, wooden statue with like multiple um, like children carved into it. Like it was probably about the size of a grapefruit or something. Um, and uh, finding out that that thing has huge value, um, more than what I originally would have just guessed. Like to me, I thought it looked like 
I could sell it for $5. And then when I researched it, I was like, well, that would be silly. Somebody would get a crazy find. Um, and then it had a lot of value. So that was pretty cool. Um, uh, they had some other cool stuff there too, like the Star Trek stuff, you know. Uh, what about oh you? yeah, that was really cool. Um, it wasn't like it, it wasn't really one of the things that we sold, but that 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 one that same house they had a flute that the actor who plays Picard in Star Trek: Next Generations had played, and then signed for them. Um, it wasn't for it wasn't for sale or anything like that. But that was like if you if you've ever watched Star Trek and you're a Star Trek fan, like that was like a really cool story. Um, who, signed, but, who signed that giant um, poster with like the um, ribbon? I the the guy who plays LaForge from Reading Rainbow. I don't know his name. Sam Lamar Burton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reading okay. Rainbow. Yeah, that was cool. That was signed because they they saw him at a convention. You know that was really cool. But there, there was no certificate of authenticity, so it, it yeah. sold, but not for what. If 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 we no could have got it certified, then it would have gone for more. But it was cool. Um, they were mm -hmm. they were big Star Trek guys or people. Um, what else, man? What else? I'm sure we found. Some there were some uh, at the at the hoarding house. There were some really interesting knives. Um, but there was a lot of like knives that looked exactly like all the other knives, but there were some really interesting knives that when we looked up, there was some pretty high value, um, for that. I mean, like for me, a knife's a knife, right? Like I don't put yeah. much stock in that, but like, that's not my interest. That's not my forte. Um, but like looking it up and seeing like the value of some of them was pretty crazy. Yep. Finding like we had a couple of the original display cases for the stores, Yep. Um, you know that they they all sold. You know, I think I think finding out the actual like demand was was surprising. Oh my gosh! Um, it was it was crazy. Knives you know. and guns. Yeah, pew, 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 I mean, we are in Pennsylvania, so PA. Yeah, get her done. Um. Yeah the the guns that got like I mean, it, it's just not our background. We. We, neither of us own guns. Um, neither of us care. Like I, my, a lot of my siblings own guns, and they like talk about it. And I, I have like zero interest in them as like a as a as a hobby. I mean, like it's just like like that's not not where I want to spend my time, right? Like yeah. nothing like a, against that. Um, but like they're like so like we they, we didn't have a background in it, so we didn't know the value. So that was we got them appraised, and there were some guns. That I would not have guessed were as valuable as they were, um, and so like that was interesting. Like going and like, like other people like watching other people get excited when I brought the guns in. Like when they're like looking at some of the guns and then like going over like why they were valuable. Uh, history is always like very interesting to me. Like learning the history of why something is the way that it is or why it's valuable. Um, I think that's something that interests you a lot as well. Like learning the history of stuff. Mm -hmm. That's um, the most interesting for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big, big uh, history guy. So. Yeah. We don't really, uh, like, one of the things in our outline is talking about, like, bidding wars. We don't do bidding wars. Right? We're not an auction company. So, like, like we're not going to, like, sell to someone else because they're standing there and you offer me 100 and then they offer me 150 Like, if, if you're the customer and you brought it up to us and, like, you know, we'll negotiate with you. And then if you decide to not, not go forward with our like our negotiation like then we'll go to the next person right like who, who might who might have been standing there um but we don't do like bids where like you could start bidding and then we get up to a certain price before it sells it's just not how we run our estate sales there are some that do that um that are not like classified as auctions um and that that's a bad customer experience like Absolutely. you're like um we actually at one of our sales sold an item like we, we had held it for the customer for like three hours, right? Like we told them in advance, like, hey, and like, he's like, yeah, I'll be there. We so held it there. longer than we said yeah. we were going to hold it, like a, a, right. a lot longer. It was, it was a repeat customer. It was a multi, multiple weekend. It was the horror house. It was over like six weeks that we were there. Um, we had talked in advance and he said he'd be there at X time. And then we ended up selling it at 1230. And then, of course, he showed up at 12. 40 and like a customer that the customer that bought it ended up like almost like mocking him 
Um, so we like we try not to do those type of things for that reason um, because it leaves a bad taste. And it, you know, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately, like you know, it was like the last sale, and like we we were trying to get stuff out, and we waited till the last possible moment that stuff happens. Um, but and we were closing at one, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So there wasn't a lot of time left in in the final sale. And um, and you had actually reached back out to him, and he wasn't responding. So there's a yeah. lot of things that was telling us that he wasn't coming back. Right. Because right, yeah. customers do that sometimes. Um, but I, I, just to touch on that, like customer experience part of, of like the bidding. So like if you if you were shopping at a store at like Best Buy and they had a price on there and you bring it up and say, hey, it's damaged. You know, can you give it to me for a lower price? And and they might do that for you. Best Buy might say, you know what? Yeah, like I can give it to you for this much. The person behind him in line is never gonna say, well, I'll pay you twenty bucks more than that for it. Like it's just it's just not gonna happen. And like so, like no professional place would ever let customers get into that bidding war. So we we sure as heck are not gonna do that. We're not gonna let we're not gonna ruin one customer's experience at the like. To, to get somebody else something like, it's just not going to happen so if if and we've we've had customers tell us oh i would have paid that this for it okay but this is where we said it was worth this is what they agreed on okay if you want to pay more for it go tell them you know they want to sell it to you let them sell it to you like we we sold it and that's the price that we sold it for and we're just mm-hmm. not going to do that. It's just a really bad experience cuz that that first customer who, who let's say they got outbidded they're not coming back to our sales anymore and they're going to tell other people that they had a bad experience. The guy who did the outbidding most likely won't say anything to anybody and he'll just come to our next sale. You know what I mean? And try to do it again if he can. So mm-hmm. we set that up, we make it very clear and we we've, we've never had an issue and, and I don't expect to ever have an issue. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else you want to touch on or you want to close it out? Oh, yeah. Something that we never, ever say, and hopefully somebody's still listening to us at some point. Um, if you are on YouTube, you know, please like, subscribe, share, yes. all that good stuff. If you're listening to us on, on the, uh, the podcast networks and any one of them, we thank you. We appreciate you. Yes. Uh, we think it's really cool. Um, look us up on YouTube so you can make comments because I have no way to see if you're making comments on anything else. I don't know how to do that. So I don't, I don't see any, like, I don't know what platform you're using. I don't know if you're using, you know, Apple. I don't know if you're using Amazon. I don't know what you're using. I just know through the, the, the RSS link, like it fans out. So we don't know necessarily where it is, but thank you for listening. We appreciate you and, uh, check us out on YouTube. Um, yeah. or anywhere else where you listen to your podcasts yeah all right we'll see you guys next week uh thanks for watching house sound days the estate sale journey and beyond <laughs>